Welcome to the Summit Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit summitsanmarcos.com. Thanks, guys. Yeah, he does. So as Pastor Taylor just told us, this, this summer, we're kicking off the Summer of Freedom. You know, last year we had so much fun with the Summer of Love, and this year we're just like, we should go for freedom. That's, that's what yes. we should do this time. So to that end, tonight I'm here to talk to you about Knott's Berry Farm. Wow. Yeah, you got to stay with me. I'm going to get to freedom, I promise. I want to talk really quickly about Knott's Berry Farm. I think a lot of times people think of theme parks and it's like Disneyland and then like forget everything else because like Disney can have it all, right? But to me, like Knott's Berry Farm was almost just as good, you know? And I think why it was almost just as good to me was because we had a family friend that scored us free tickets and cut season line. Yes. And so while and so while Knott's Berry Farm might have been the Disneyland's Kmart to everyone else, to me and my family, it was great. <laughs> Why I'm talking about Knott's Berry Farm is one day, I think I was like five. I think I was like five or six years old, and I was with my parents, right? I was so young that I don't even remember if my brother was around at this point. I just remember me and my parents. And there was this point kind of by Camp Snoopy, that's their like kid land. It's it's great. Um, there's this part where there's like this little bridge and there's some nice water and everything and and as a kid I was really kind of timid and kind of fearful and stuff and I would always kind of cling to my mom's leg I was like that kid like oh strangers you know (laughs) the only thing that would get me like to venture out was my sense of curiosity right that's the thing that always got me in trouble that and my kind of lack of coordination but I was always curious you know, so I'm at Knott's Berry Farm, five, six years old. I'm seeing all these new sites, all these amazing things. My parents, we, we get into the, the stands, right? And they're like, all right, Dominic, we're going to have a great day today. But what are you going to do? And I was like, stay with mom and dad. They're like, that's right. Just stay right next to us. We're going to have a great day. You're going to be totally fine. What's the rule? Stay here. Okay, I got it, right? Within like 10 minutes, like, like we just stepped into the park and I saw a waterfall. And I'm like, oh cool, and I just like disappeared. I just like started walking through all the people, all the things, and I'm like a, I'm a junior at this point, so I'm like all tiny. And I just like zip through all these people, and I get right up to the ledge, and I'm like looking at the waterfall, and I'm like, mom, dad, isn't it so cool? And they're gone, like disappeared. And the other part about being so like fun-sized is you can't see over everyone. Like now it's great. I'm not the tallest guy in the room, but generally I can see what I'm what I'm aware of, you know. But when I was when I was mini, like I was just I was lost. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't I couldn't see anyone, and all I could see were all these big big people, and my parents were gone. And I, I started screaming, "Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad!" Nothing, and I'm just I'm totally lost at Disneyland. And all of a sudden, I'm aware that, like, like one of my, like, favorite days, like, this great thing, all of a sudden, I'm aware that I'm just, I'm completely separated. Like, I can't, I'm done, you know? And the thing is, like, when you're five years old, when, when you're five years old, like, ten minutes feels like freaking forever, you know? Like, like now, it's like five minutes, like, oh, crap, it's been ten minutes, what happened? But, but you know, when you're growing up, it's like you have a five-minute timeout. It's like, you might as well just kill me dead. Like, that is so long, what are you talking about? And so for me, I, like, you know, like, I, was, I was lost for maybe a total of five minutes, right? 
But as a five-year-old, I was like, well, I'm an orphan. And, like, I'll never, like, I'm like, I'm like it's a good thing I like this waterfall because I'm going to cling next to it in that little cave, and this is going to be my life. <laughs> like, that's it. That's it for me. And so in, the, in, the, in those five minutes, I just, I, you know, I introspected and I analyzed the situation, and I kind of, like, I, I, I had, like, a, like a 20th of life crisis, you know, just in that, like, little, like, by the waterfall, like, Oh my gosh, what is my life? Like I, like, I wasted it. Now I'm by myself. What do I do? I'm not ready. What's going on? I'm totally lost. And you know, so I'm crying and hysterical and all these things. And then my parents find me and they're like, where were you? What happened? And I'm like so excited. I'm like holding them and crying. And the whole rest of the trip, I'm, I'm not going anywhere, you know. The next several amusement parks we went to, both my brother and I were on leashes. Yeah. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard of the child leash? You know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys might not, but we did. Anyway, my parents learned from their mistakes, so it kind of worked out. What the heck does that have to do with freedom? You know? Well, I know. Well, let's find out. I'm just going to pray. God, thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you, God, that you brought all of these people to learn from you, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you are just in my words and you're in this time. And God, I just give you permission to do whatever you want in their hearts tonight. And I just thank you, Lord. And just, amen. Amen. All right. So like Taylor said, we are talking about the summer of freedom. We're going to be talking about how to get free from like passivity and fear and rejection and all of these things that just kind of plague us, bog us down, make us feel, I don't know, icky, <laughs> you know? But I thought tonight when I was praying, like, Lord, how do we start a summer of freedom? How do we start? How do we start? <laughs> and I feel like it was just this idea of, like, remember what your freedom means. <laughs> remember how I set you free. Remember, remember that the freedom had a cost. Remember what that just freedom you experience as a believer actually means. And I think that this message tonight is for believers. And I think most of you guys are. And if you're not, you're going to get to hear an inside scoop of kind of what it's like and what you're invited into. I feel like the message is about remembering freedom. I got a picture in the Old Testament, all throughout it. You would see great men of faith like Abraham or like Moses or all these people in the Bible who the Lord would encounter them or lead them in a victory or promise them something and these men would do this thing where they built up like a pile of stones right and after they built up the pile of stones they'll be like this will be the place where the Lord told me about this thing and that would just be the place you know and like there'd be passages like and it's called that place to this day you know like things like that <laughs> it's really weird it's a pile of rocks why why does it matter all throughout the old testament it was not only a way to honor god it was a way to honor these people's relationship with god their revelation from god their promises from god the victories that they had with the lord and it was a place to physically remind themselves of wow this is that thing that i have with the lord and I feel like tonight he was just saying, this is you building your little pile of rocks. <laughs> this is a night that's all about just remembering what my freedom gave to you. I shared that story about Knott's Berry Farm 
because I think it's like a funny but also kind of great way to explain what can kind of happen to us sometimes. You know, especially as young adults, especially as college agers, <laughs> give or take. <laughs> we're in this we're in this bubble. <laughs> we're in this bubble where we're experiencing a level of independence for the first time. You know, we're in this place where we're we're launching into what everything that comes next. You know, the training wheels are coming off, we get big boy decisions. You know, like David just said in the offering, like it's a t- season of stewardship. It's it's a it's a season where we call the shots, you know. And I think like my story in Knott's Berry Farm, we can get in through the gates and think like, wow, it's time to go crazy. Let's see all the amazing things all around us. And we can get really lost. <laughs> we can get really lost. And I, and I think like, <laughs> it's just so easy to feel bound when we're lost. <laughs> when we get stuck thinking about nothing but us, <laughs> what we're doing with our lives, what are the decisions we're going to make, what are all these things, we can get lost in us and forget God's bigger picture. We can forget everything about what he freed us for, you know, or that he freed us at all. And I think when we make our lives all about ourselves, we can forget him and we can forget our purpose. And it doesn't look like freedom anymore. So this might be the weirdest place to take a freedom message but I actually really felt like the Lord wanted to talk about the parable of the prodigal son. I'm going to read out of Luke 15, verses 11 through 24, so buckle up. Jesus says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the same time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants had enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party begins. I really love this story. I love it for a lot of ways. And a freedom message is not what I would think of first when I think about this story. But I think it's a kind of freedom, especially as a college age group, that is so important. (laughs) Because I think it's really easy to vilify, it's really easy to demonize the prodigal son, right? (laughs) 
it's really easy to say, well, like, yeah, he was a partier and he ended up kind of trapped in his own crap and he was like the bad son, you know? Like, he was the black sheep, you know? And I think we're so quick to throw that on him and we kind of forget that I think for many of us we can, like, relate, you know? Because what, what did that son really do? That son basically said, it's time for me to make a life for myself, you know? It's time for me to take my inheritance, which is mine. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I want with it. I'm going to make my own life. You know, and maybe not in as brash terms, <laughs> but I think we do that in this season of life. And some of it not for bad reason. <laughs> you know, we have to put on our big boy pants, our big girl pants, you know. We got to do the work. But I think the prodigal son's error is, and I think it's something we do sometimes, is this idea that we just get so independent that we don't leave room to hear the father's voice. <laughs> Another error of the prodigal son is his error is not realizing he has an inheritance. <laughs> his error is not claiming his inheritance. I think his error is trying to pull on that before the season. I think about what dishonor that would have brought to the father. <laughs> Pulling an inheritance out of the season is almost like Hey, I'm going to treat you like you're dead. Give me money. (laughs) But I think in our own ways we can do that. Why I wanted to talk about the prodigal son is because it's such a perfect snapshot of how we can get bound in our own life. (laughs) Everything this guy's heart wanted, this life he had designed for himself, far away from everything he had known, and exactly where he wanted to be, his design, his plan. He gets everything he wants. He gets everything. And I'm sure the the life of the wild party and the life in the city and the life that he wanted here, I'm sure it was really great for a little while. I think if it wasn't, he would have come straight home. But said he was there until he burned out all the resources. (laughs) And slowly what he had loved turned into something that tormented him. It bankrupted him until there was nothing. Until he was less than a servant. Until he was in there with a pig pen of a life. (laughs) And he was trapped. And I think that verse says he came to his senses. And I wonder if he never came to his senses he would have been trapped as a slave in a pig pen. I think for the rest of his life. (laughs) It's just a story, but go with me here, you know? (laughs) I guarantee he felt bound. I guarantee he felt like he wasted his life. I guarantee that he let himself forget too long about who his father was until he came to his senses. to share really quickly a little bit about why I think this is so important. It's because I've, I've been here, you know? Like, I've really, I've really been here. I knew about Jesus when I was about five years old. I said the little sinner's prayer across my heart, hope to die and go to heaven, or whatever the phrase was. That's probably not the sinner's prayer, but... 
I did it, you know. I did it. I jumped on Team Bible, and I grew up, you know. I grew up, and I went to college. And by the time I went to college, any faith I had as a five-year-old had completely burnt out, you know. And suddenly, I was free. I was in this city where no one knew my name, and I could be whoever I wanted. I could do whatever I wanted, and I could just pursue anything I wanted to pursue. (laughs) It was all my choice. And the thing is, I lost sight completely of who my God was. You know? And soon enough, I made poor choice after poor choice after poor choice. Soon enough, I put myself into situations I didn't want to be in. (laughs) We have to be so careful of the company we keep, you know? (laughs) And I got to this point myself where I, like, bankrupted myself. (laughs) You know, growing up, I dealt with some depression. Growing up, I dealt with some, some hardship, you know? I think everyone does, to a degree. But I was never suicidal until that period of my life. <laughs> I never wanted to die. Even at the worst of my depression, even the worst of my cynicism, I was like, I'm totally okay being the grumpy old man in the cabin until I died in old age, just hating the world in my little hilltop. You know, I was kind of like the Grinch, um, in my own mind at least. You know, like deeply cynical but still kind of festive. You know, that's me at that time. But but the thing is, I got to this point where like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I got to this point, guys, where the life I had chosen for myself was not the life I wanted. I got to the point where the life I had chosen wasn't even a life I wanted to live anymore. You know? And I remember there was this one day where I was just alone at night in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of some random field, and I wanted, I just wanted to die. (laughs) I wanted to die really bad because I felt like a failure of a human being. I felt beyond a waste of space. I felt beyond, I I, I felt like I was this weight that pulled everyone else around me down. I felt like this, this leech that just stole joy from everyone. And I hated it. And it was this night where I realized, I'm like, I don't want to be on this planet anymore. <laughs> and I had this one moment. I had this one moment where I felt like the whole mess I had made in my life, the situations, these kind of bad friendships I had, all these things, all the, the thing I made in my life that I felt so trapped by that I would give anything to just leave. <laughs> I had this one moment where all of a sudden I came to my senses. And I know it was the Holy Spirit because all of a sudden, in the midst of my, like, everything, I just hear this thought of, like, man, I really wish Jesus was just real. (laughs) Not because of that time that I had any particular affection for him. Not because I had ever known him. Not because I had ever known his heart. But because I remembered my factoids about Jesus. (laughs) I remembered the stories. I remembered the love he had. I remembered what he taught. I remember how he lived his life in that book. And I remember thinking, wouldn't it be great 
if Jesus. And I remember for the first time, I, I knew my heart was messed up. I knew I had bankrupted myself because I hadn't cried for six months. I cry all the time. I think I'm crying now. <laughs> I knew something was wrong with me. I knew something was wrong in my heart because I didn't feel anything. <laughs> I was totally numb and there was just nothing. And when I started thinking about even the idea that Jesus could be real, I started to just break. I started to just break. And I remember just being in the field and I was talking to myself out loud. And it wasn't until like half an hour into it that I realized I had been praying. <laughs> it wasn't until like an hour or so into this process where I realized I was just saying over and over in this field, Jesus saved me. <laughs> just saved me. And to me, this was that moment when I came to my senses. This was that moment where all of a sudden it was like I knew the love of God. <laughs> my experience is different than this story. Ask me about it later. Testimonies are cool because God is cool. But it's that same idea of like my experience equated to that moment where the father runs to his son and just gives him a hug. <laughs> it's that kind of love. It's daddy love. It's the love that says, I don't care how embarrassing it is that I just run. Like, I read between the lines a little bit with the prodigal son story. You have to understand at the time, it wasn't dignified for the patriarch of a huge estate to run. You know? You have to walk. You know? It was not dignified for him to drop everything he had and run like that in front of his servants that were right next to him, in front of the rest of the people. It was not the chain, you know? And when I read the prodigal son, I see the dad that's in his underpants and his bathrobe with a newspaper just running. <laughs> I see that, you know? I really do, and I think that's the heart of it. Because I think it's that kind of love that says, I'm forgetting everything about what's going on with me right now because I see what I'm running after. And my boy's home. My girl's home. It's more than you were just lost. It's that you were dead and you're back. I will drop everything for that. <laughs> the first thing I will do is restore you to who you are. Sonship, daughtership. The first thing he says, even as the son's saying, I'm not even worthy, the dad is saying, put the robe on him, put the ring on his finger, put everything that makes him know that he's mine. <laughs> that he's my son, that he's my boy, that it'll be like he never left. Let's throw a party. <laughs> I'm not going to shame you, I'm not going to guilt you, I just want you to know you're home. I want you to know that you're free of the life that you made because you're back home. Why I want to talk about how the Lord frees people, why I want to talk about His relationship with us is because if we don't, if we don't understand His heart, we're going to neglect His freedom. If we don't understand the heart of God, the one that set us free, then we are going to neglect His gift. Because it is so different to know about someone and know someone. I know a lot about George Washington. I know a lot. Good man. Great leader. He's so wise. He's got some serious leadership skills. He's good with people. 
a lot of people are influenced by him. He has kind of a big impact on the world. He has some legacy. But I couldn't tell you a single thing about what was on that man's heart. I can't tell you a single thing about what his relationships look like. I couldn't tell you about the things he thought. I couldn't tell you what he thought about me. (laughs) You know? I couldn't tell you a single thing. But we could say, I know about George Washington. (laughs) I don't think we can say we know him. (laughs) I think the gap between knowing someone and knowing about someone is intimacy. (laughs) It's the reason I can say, I know Emily. (laughs) I know Pastor Taylor. I don't just know about them. (laughs) That step is what makes the relationship real. (laughs) And for me, like this this message is a little different because this message isn't about the points. It isn't about a Bible study. It's literally just about remembering who this guy is. (laughs) Especially if we're believers. What is our history with him? When did he become real to us? What did he look like when he ran out of the house and saw you and ran toward you? <laughs> what was he saying when he held you right when you got back home? <laughs> you know? When you gave your life to him, or maybe it was when you had a recommitment, or maybe it was just in the midst of day-to-day life, or in a ministry moment, or somewhere, I don't know where, but you do. What did his voice sound like? What did he promise you? What did his love feel like when you knew he was in the room? When you knew you were chosen, when you knew you were family, when you knew that your soul was saved? (laughs) I believe these are things we can know because he's real. Before we jump into the rest of this freedom series, I wanted to give this as like a prologue (laughs) of just saying, before we talk about being free in all these little ways, I want us to remember how we're free in the big way. (laughs) And more than that, I want us to remember the character of who set us free. You know? Because we all have that story. We all have a different story. Some of you might be like, I got saved when I was in kindergarten. That was my story. What is, what's going on? <laughs> but the fact that you have been walking faithfully since that long is a whole other beautiful kind of story. And it's your story. <laughs> we can be proud of our testimony no matter what it is. We can be proud of our history with the Lord because it's ours. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, it's something about when a loved one dies or when you have a situation in your life drastically changed or you get fired or you get kicked out of something or someone you lose someone. I don't know what it is, but moments like that, it makes you take stock of how fragile everything is sometimes. (laughs) You know? When suddenly the rug is ripped under you, you really assess what still stands firm. And it's like the more we're rocked, the more it seems like everything is breakable. (laughs) You know? Like everything. Even some of your closest relationship, 
Maybe it is parent relationships. You know, like the closest, most nurturing things, at least they're supposed to be. <laughs> Sometimes even when those are rock, and it's like, well, what the heck? <laughs> is there anything I can hold on to? And I feel like we need to remember the way he sets us free, because when he sets us free, he gives us his love. <laughs> I think that's packaged in his spirit. He gives us the love of God. And I think it's the one thing more than anything that we can actually hold on to. When we're free and we take hold of that, we have everything. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Part of being, the, probably the biggest part of being a believer is that He puts His Holy Spirit inside of us. It means we actually are guided by God himself. It means that he is actually in us. It means that there is a unity. It means that when the Lord sees us on judgment day, somehow he sees Jesus, this perfect, unfailing, incorruptible, beloved son. (laughs) Wherever that spirit is, there's freedom. It's the same spirit his son carried. (laughs) I want to explain this in a way, like, do we understand that, like, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, <laughs> the spirit that conquered death, the spirit that allowed Jesus to be strong when his whole world came against him. <laughs> when Jesus lived his 33 years of life as the salmon going upstream, the yeah. thing that kept him going was this spirit. It was how he had a relationship with his father. It's how... It was that spirit in him. It couldn't even be stopped by death. <laughs> Literally, like the enemy's checkmate move, the world's checkmate move, sin's checkmate move, death couldn't stop this thing that was in Jesus. And he says, that is what I give to you. And it says in Second Corinthians, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I think so much of that spirit is understanding relationship with the Father. I think that that is what the Spirit helps us see. Our relationship with our Lord. And what His will is, what His thoughts are, what His heart is. So all I want us to do, we're going to close pretty soon. I don't really have points. I want us to remember how we were set free. I want us to remember where he found us. I want, to, I want us to remember everything about the stuff that makes us come alive. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. (laughs) Why I like these verses together. It says you didn't receive that spirit to be a slave. You received God's own spirit because he adopted you as one of his own children. We call him daddy. Catch this right here. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm or agree with that we are God's children. 
do you notice that he links the spirit to freedom and to sonship? <laughs> do you notice that the other verse links the spirit to freedom? <laughs> I thought prodigal son was the weirdest scripture for a freedom message until I realized that the prodigal son is all about sonship. And sonship with the Lord is all about that spirit that frees us. <laughs> I want us to remember how we're free. (laughs) Because I'm really thankful we're free. I'm really thankful that we were hard won. I'm really thankful that Jesus did everything to say he wants us as family. Everything. So we never had to be bound by ourselves. I want to pray for us and then I want to do a response exercise real quick and then we can get on our way, guys. Dear Lord, I thank you for maybe the weirdest message I've ever given. (laughs) I thank you for connecting the dots. I thank you that your freedom that you give us, that you freely offer us through Jesus, had a price. (laughs) And then it was with family in mind. I think freedom and family are synonyms. (laughs) And God, I thank you. I ask even right now, Lord, as we begin to close, Lord, that you just stir up in their hearts in a way that distracts them from my voice, from the people around them, from everything they're going to do when they leave here. And I pray that you take them, Spirit, to those places in their memory of their times with you. I pray that you just connect your heart to theirs. And you just remind them of who you were when you found him. And I thank you, God, that you found us. I thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just want to take a minute. Maybe we can put a worship song on really quick. I want to take a minute to just sit here, guys, just as individuals, um, just praying and asking you to just be reminded of what the Lord has found you in the midst of. (laughs) So let's just take a minute. think God as we as we just sit in just prayer right now <laughs> I just want to say like I think his history with you is his favorite history <laughs> it might sound contradictory but I think that the way you can know more than anything that the gift of his salvation and his love is for every single person on this planet 
is to first realize that it is 100% no strings attached, completely yours first. <laughs> I don't think we can understand how imperative it is to reveal his love and to give it away to everybody. I don't think we can understand how much that matters, how much that should motivate us, how much that that means until we know that his first 100% completely ours. <laughs> The Bible says we love because He first loved us. <laughs> Before we can love, I think we need to know that that love is just for us. <laughs> that His love story with you is His favorite one. <laughs> that when He looks at you, it's like he's looking at his only. <clears throat> Please just remember. In the Old Testament, when they built up those piles of stone, it was because they knew this is a relationship and a time and an event and a promise that I always want to remember. That I always want to have a place that I can look to and say, I remember who my God is to me when I remember this. So God, we just thank you for memory, God. We thank you for what you're doing in the room. We just invite you. <laughs> just a couple more seconds, guys, and then I just want to lead us in a quick activity. <laughs> thank you, God. Thank you, God. Alrighty. When you guys are ready, go ahead and just look at me. Oh, awesome. You guys are so prompt and on the ball. All right, I think this is most of us. If it's not, I'm sorry. Everyone bring out your cell phone. Yeah. Most of you guys probably have I, Apple, I, I, what are they called? iPhones, thank you. <laughs> I'm hip. Um, whether you have Apple or Android or old school, you know. I want us to open up, I want us to open up our notepads you know I want to open up our little whatever app it is to take notes and just individually <laughs> yeah, maybe not calculate it <laughs> I want us to write one two three separate lines line number one I want you to write you don't have to write out the whole memory 
the right keywords, the right phrases, or right enough to signify a memory of when you first remember Him. <laughs> when you first remember God. What was your very first memory? Maybe it was someone talking about Him. Maybe it was like behind stained glass with Grandma somewhere. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> It can be a couple words. It can be whatever triggers that memory for you. What was that first glance? What was that first time you heard their name? As you guys start to wrap up number one, number two, do the same thing of a memory when he felt real to you. (laughs) Maybe the memory is the same, but maybe some of us heard the word Jesus as like a swear word and he didn't feel real to us till later on. (laughs) I don't know. Well, for number two, write out whatever reminds you of a time where he felt real to you. Three, a memory of when he made a promise to you. And if you think, the Lord didn't promise me something. I never heard him say that. I never whatever. I guarantee you guys have probably at least read your Bibles. (laughs) There's promises everywhere. (laughs) Maybe it's one of those. as you guys finish up I just want you to do one more thing I want you to open up your calendar app or any app you have that can set off a reminder and I want you to schedule an appointment (laughs) for next Tuesday because I like Tuesday and for that appointment I just want you right remember Jesus any time of day Tuesday but let's make it Tuesday and whenever you set that appointment tell your phone to set off some kind of notification or alarm or little ping noise something that will actually make you look at that thing in your calendar I hope we can do this. I hope we can challenge ourselves with it. Because what I want to see in the middle of our busy weeks and our busy lives, after whatever happened here today is forgotten in the midst of all the other stuff we're doing, (laughs) I want our phone to buzz and ping and beep and alarm. And I want us to look at that and remember One, two, three. (laughs) 
I want us to remember our pile of rocks. <laughs> and I want us to stop, even for a second. Even if our bodies aren't stopping, because maybe we're at work. <laughs> I want our head to pause and take a moment to remember. I want us to be the people that Jenner, <laughs> like years and years and years from now, in the same way that people from the Old Testament could say, and that pile of rocks is still right there today. <laughs> I want us to look and just be like, this is right where he found me. <laughs> this is right where he told me he loved me. This is right where I saw him for the first time. <laughs> this is right where he set me free. And who knows, if you guys love it, maybe you repeat that alarm and say, hey, go off every week. <laughs> go off every month. <laughs> go off daily. Just to... Remind me. Because <laughs> yeah. I want to have that place of remembrance always in front of me. Because I want to remember everywhere I go that I'm family and I'm free. <laughs> so why don't we just stand up real quick. We're done here. And I just want to lead us in... Let's do a declaration because... Yeah. Yay. So everyone, as you get collected and start standing up, everyone just say... Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for setting me free. For setting me free. And for calling me. And for calling me. Family. Family. Help me. Help me. To remember. To remember. You. You. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Alright guys, just remember, no crux next week, and we'll see you for the Summer of Freedom the week after that. Hey guys, give it on up for Dominic. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.